Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. Well, we're excited this morning uh, as we continue forward in our series. You want to open up your Bibles to Matthew. If you still got one of these old guys here, open it up to Matthew 5. Maybe you got a smartphone, get that baby kicked up because we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're in Jesus' most famous sermon. We're looking at his opening, opening address, right? Uh, the Beatitudes. And this is an amazing thing. And we titled this series Flourishing in the Free Fall because God wants all of us to flourish even in the season we're at in our culture because it feels a little bit like a free fall out there, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but it just feels like a crazy ride with this COVID thing that's happening. A lot of people are in a free fall of physical health. They're suffering, they're struggling, and they don't know what's going to happen in the outcomes of their life or their health. We have economic freefall. People have lost their jobs. Businesses are suffering. I'm a small businessman as well as a pastor. My small business, my family business, the restaurant industry is totally suffering. And we're going through that struggle, trying to make it. And so I'm with you in that economic challenge. Uh, Also, there's kind of a freefall of emotional. You know, students online, they're struggling. Moms are having to become teachers, and they weren't equipped to do that, you know. That is a struggle. Dads are working at home, and the whole family's there, and oh, it's madness sometimes. It's madness. And we're trying to get through this. It just feels like everything that we've known is up for grabs, and it's shaking and all over the place. But in the middle of that, God's voice and God's word says to you, I am with you. I am for you. I want you to flourish in the free fall of life. That's why Jesus spoke this sermon. In Matthew chapter 4, he was traveling around the Galilee, becoming very popular as he preached the reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now here. It's available. It's open, right? In and through me, the kingdom of God, the reality of who God is, his rule and reign, his grace, his mercy, his peace is here for you right now. The crowds were coming to him. The left outs of society. It says in Matthew chapter 4, the, the demon possessed, those with seizures, those that, that, that have been left out financially, emotionally, those, those that have been left out by the, the religious factions, the political parties of Jesus' day, the left and the right, had totally left out the lost and the broken. You know, the Pharisees, the Essenes, the Sadducees, all these parties vying for their platform. And in the middle of that, Jesus said, these are the, this is the politics of the kingdom of God. Not the politics of the left, not the politics of the right, but the politics of the kingdom of God. Jesus is a political figure. He's bringing a kingdom that has huge political implications for Israel and for the life that we live in America today. He is the king. He is savior. He is Lord. And he's putting together a political entity called the body of Christ, who is supposed to be his salt and light in the world. That's the politics of Jesus. And so he looks at these folks, and he looks at his disciples. And it says in Matthew 5, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to be around him, those that were his apprentices, those that were learning to live like him under the kingdom of God. He was discipling them. And he began to teach them. 
And he began to lay out his platform, his kingdom agenda. And he wanted to bring blessing for those that were struggling, for those that were marginalized, for those that were hurting, the blessings of the kingdom of God. And so he said, blessed are you when you're poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when you mourn, for you will be comforted. Blessed are you when you feel meek and broken, for you will inherit the earth. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for more, for righteousness, for you will be filled. Blessed are you when you're hurt and you have to show mercy and forgiveness, and you do that because you will be shown mercy. Blessed are you when you long for something more than this life, purity of heart. You long for something more than this world can ever give you because you will see God. Blessed are you when you're in conflict and struggle and division and you bring peace because you will be called the children of God. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my name, persecuted for righteousness, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus doing here? Is he giving us a moral ladder to climb to success? Is this a moral ladder? If I do these things, then I'll be blessed? Is, that what, is Jesus bringing a new morality? Not at all. Jesus is talking about the radical availability of the kingdom of God. Not just on the mountaintops, not just in the temple when you make the right sacrifice, not just when life is going well and money's flowing and business is well, but when you are crushed, when you are broken, when you realize you're spiritually bankrupt, when you're hungry and homeless. When you're thirsting for more than even comes out of your heart and you see your own sin and unrighteousness and you want the righteousness of God, blessed are you because God is right there available for you. And today we're looking at the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn. Last week Ben talked about blessed are those, right, who are poor in spirit. Check it out online. It's a great message. Podcast. This morning we're talking about blessed are those who mourn. When, you, when you're mourning, when you're grieving, when you feel you've lost everything. There's, so mu- there's been so much loss in the last six, eight months. Loss of jobs, loss of money, loss of opportunity, loss of life, loss of relationships, loss of integrity, loss of character, addictions, anger, violence in the homes, right? All these kind of stuff is happening. We're losing so much. Blessed are when you feel that you've lost everything because God is with you. God is with you. He's mourning with you. He's comforting you. You will be comforted. That's what Jesus is saying. I will not abandon you in the losses of life. You know, loss and mourning and grief, we don't do that well in America, do we? Anybody want to sign up for the line loss? We have a lot line loss after the church today. Just sign up if you want to be first in line for loss. I don't think many people are coming to that, right? Nobody wants to listen to the lost leader and say, hey, let me tell you about how I lost my business or we lost the game. Nobody lines up to go hear lost speakers, right? They don't line up for that. Nobody wants to mourn. Nobody wants to have grief. As a matter of fact, the modern world that we live in does not equip us for grief. It does not equip us for mourning. It does not help us much with suffering. Because when you live in a world that's filled with scientific naturalism, that means that the material world is all that there is. The chair that you're sitting on is all that there is, right? This table is all that there is. All that there is is the material. There's nothing beyond that. And so what, where does meaning in life come from when you live in a material world, right? Where does it come from? It comes from your own pursuit of happiness. That's the American dream, your own personal pursuit of happiness, 
That is what it means to have it all in America, in a modern world, in a materialistic society. You have to have money, power, all these things that are material to make yourself happy. What does suffering do to that? It takes it all away from you, right? It takes your money. It takes your health. COVID can take every... That's why people are so afraid and shaking today, right? It takes your relationships. It takes happiness from you. And what do we do? In a modern world, the only thing you can do for suffering is to eliminate it and eradicate it. Avoid it, right? Science and technology are the way that we get out of this mess. Science and technology are great. I love it. I love doctors. I want a COVID cure. We want a vaccine. But guess what? What happens when you lose a loved one? What happens when the economy falls apart? How is science and technology helping those people that have lost so much to grieve that loss when all you're supposed to do is avoid it, right? That's why we have so much anger. That's why we have so much addiction. That's why we have so much craziness in our streets. That's why part of this political divide is people are angry because their happiness has been taken away from them. And they think a political party is there to give them their happiness or their, their businesses, right? And so we're, we're crying out and we're angry. But what we need for the healing of America is to grieve, to be sad, to walk together in humility and grieve together the loss and care for one another, the modern world does not give us and equip us for that. You see, culture was made to equip people with philosophy and religion for the key questions and answers to life. Science and technology says you're, you came from nothing, you're a random chance accident, you, you, there is no meaning in life, there ultimately is no morality, and the, the grave is the last day and you go to nothing. The philosophy behind science and technology, nothing wrong with that, says there, there's no purpose in grieving. There's no purpose in, in this. It's just blind chance accident that you get it. And what we need is, is a voice from the ancient world. Ancient cultures equipped their people with a why. Mourning and grieving was a part of life. It was a part of the journey to true virtue and greatness. Look at the Greek societies. Look at all the societies of the ancient world. Mourning had a place in the walk of life. Grief and loss was a part of our development. It was a part of virtue. We've lost that in society. We've lost that in our world. We need an ancient voice like the voice of Jesus that says, mourning does not have to be eradicated and, and, and run away from and denied or medicated. Mourning is something that can bring you closer to the kingdom of God. Mourning is something that can show you the radical availability of God's grace, even the most difficult places of your life. And God can take mourning and turn it into blessing because of his purposes and his presence in your life. That's the message of Jesus in the kingdom of God. God wants you to flourish in whatever loss, whatever grief that you're going through, Today, God wants you to flourish in this freefall. I love what Eugene Peterson says in the message about Matthew 5.4. He says, you're blessed when you feel that you've lost what is most dear to you. You're blessed when you feel that you've lost what's most dear for you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. God himself, the one who is most dear to you, the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one that wants to walk with you, the one that mourns with you through this pain and suffering and bring about healing and hope. That's the blessing of the kingdom of God. The blessing comes from the God who is with you in your mourning. The blessing comes from the God who is for you in your mourning and your loss. The blessing from the God who wants to bring meaning, true meaning to you in the mourning of your life. 
That's what this beatitude is saying to us. God is with you, God is for you, and God has purpose in suffering. It's not something we just deny and throw away. There's purpose in suffering. God can redeem that and bring blessing to your life. How do, what does that look like? Well, the first way God comforts us is He knows what we're going through. Comfort comes from the one who knows. God actually knows what it's like to suffer. Have you ever broken a bone, broken a leg, broken your wrist, broken your arm, broken something in your body? You feel that pain, you feel that loss. God knows what it's like to have broken bones. You know that? God knows what it's like. You ever tear up, well up in tears because something bad's going to happen and tears flow? God knows what it's like to cry at the tomb of his best friend. Jesus lost Lazarus. God wept over Jerusalem and said, I want you to come to me, but you would not have me. God understands what it's like to cry, what it's like to be human. Look at what the book of Hebrews says to us. The author, we do not have a high priest, speaking of Jesus, comparing him to the high priests of the Jewish temple, just human high priests. We don't just have a high priest that is, is merely human, but we have a high priest that is human in God together, the incarnation. God himself took on skin. But we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, right? To empathize with somebody's weaknesses means you can walk in their shoes. You understand exactly what they're going through. You feel their pain. God himself feels our pain when we suffer loss, right? Because he can empathize. Why? Because he took on skin, he put on the uniform. It's not theory for him. It's not just X's and O's. He put on the uniform and he went in the game and he took the hits. He took the pain. He's in the arena. He suffers with us. He understands everything that you are going through. Whether it's a job loss, rejection from your family and friends, Jesus' family rejected him. They didn't even believe in him. His brothers mocked him. The religious establishment, right? In your profession, his profession said he's not even worthy. Matter of fact, he's of Satan, rejected by the religious leaders of his day, mocked. And then, and then does, does Jesus understand what it's like to suffer? His body broken and beaten? You know, the worst form of crucifixion on a cross? And ultimately saying from the cross, my God, my God, why has that forsaken you, me? Abandonment? You ever felt alone in this crisis? Like nobody knows and nobody cares and you're isolated? Maybe online you feel isolated, you feel alone. And Jesus understands that loneliness, the disconnection of not even knowing where God is, his Father turning his back on him and pouring out the judgment and wrath of the world on him. You see, God knows, our high priest understands we have one who's been tempted in every way, but he never gave up. He went to the cross. He was obedient, lived a perfect life, and died for us, right? And so he did not sin, and so he understands, and we can come into his kingdom throne room. We can come with confidence because of who he is and what he has suffered and receive the mercy and grace that we're asked for in our time of need. That's where God is. He's interceding for you. He's crying with you. He's broken with you. We have a suffering God. A suffering God. And so God not only knows, but he also cares. God not only knows about us, but he cares for us. Right? Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. A pastor from Germany, during the time of Hitler, during the time of the, the, the German taking over of Germany, a, a man that uh, stood up for God against 
the Nazis, a man who formed the Confessing Church in Germany, a man that actually left Germany and traveled to America and other places trying to get people on board with helping the suffering in Germany and the injustice and called to go back to Germany. He didn't have to. He goes back to Germany trying to stop, trying to stop this injustice and a failed plot and he's a part of that plot, and he gets put in prison, and he's going to face the gallows, and he writes this series of letters from prison, right? Knowing that the outcome of his life, he's going to die. He doesn't know the outcome of the war. He's in total darkness, and he says, only a suffering God can help me. Only a suffering God. Christianity is the only religion in the world where we have a suffering God. Not a God who's just holy in distance and pours down his decisions and his judgment or his justice. Not a God who's a force. Let the force be just a force out there that has no feelings. It's just all over the place. Not that God. Not, not a God who asks you to just go through endless you know, reincarnation wheels till maybe you might achieve that. A God who took on skin. A God who suffered wars. A God who understands a suffering God is the God that can comfort us. Jesus Christ. In the storms of our life, that's what Bonhoeffer said. Look what it says, uh, Jesus, when he was with his disciples the last night before he was betrayed in the upper room. He said, I care about you. His disciples were reeling because he knew, they knew he was going to go to an earthly death and they didn't understand. He said, I'm leaving you. One of you is going to betray me. You're all going to deny me. This is going to be a suffering moment, not a victory moment. They were waiting for Jesus to be the Messiah and take over and, and kick butt. And he said, no, I'm going to get my butt kicked. I'm going to die for you. And you guys are going to run away. And they're, they're reeling. He says, I'm not going to abandon you, though. I'm going to ask the Father to send another, a comforter. See, God cares because he wants to bring his comfort even to our heart. I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will not leave you. I will come to you. You see, Jesus has put his very comforter inside of us. Right? The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us to comfort us in our suffering. You know, Jesus could walk with his disciples. He could walk down the road and put his arm around them. Jesus can't put his arm around you in your suffering today, but he's put his spirit within you. He's put the comforter inside of you so he can experience his peace in the midst of madness. So he can bring, uh, awaken you to the promises of God and hope when you're going through your suffering and your difficulty. So he can come alongside you and bring you comfort from his word and his presence, peace and joy, even in the midst of your struggles. An onboard coach, an internal comfort, a mobile comforter, wherever you go, the spirit is with you. All times, all places, all afflictions, God has put that comforter inside of you. And boy, do we need that, right? In this season of crisis, struggle, right? How much time do you open your heart up and spend time just in quiet stillness, in calming your heart and allowing the Spirit to speak to you in that small voice? Somehow the noise of the world and, and all the, 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 the fake news and all the politics, it, it, it grounds out the Spirit of God and that comforting voice. We need to go to a quiet place like Jesus did. We need to open our hearts to silence and solitude. Last night, I went out and worked in the restaurant business. I was going to one of our restaurants, and, you know, uh, that feeling of, of overwhelming dread, what if we don't make it? 
What if this business crashes and burns? What am I going to do? How am I going to provide for my wife? What's going to happen to the church? Oh, my gosh. Starting to have that anxiety attack in the car. And I knew, you know, it was time for me to turn off the news and turn on the worship, right? Shift the message. Begin to pray and praise God and thank him for the company. Thank him for the people that are working hard to try to make that restaurant work. Asking him to provide peace. And then the comfort comes. And then the gentle whisper God brings up that verse in Isaiah that I've I've clung to so many times. Fear not, Bucky, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I'm the God, Bucky. I will be with you. I will protect you. I will guide you through this time. Only the Spirit of God can do that. And the Spirit of God is with you. But are you opening your heart up to his comfort? Are you opening your heart up to his presence? Many times that comes from a friend, right? A friend who has the Holy Spirit in them. God brings somebody alongside us with skin on, to encourage us, to support us. That's why we do groups. I meet with a men's group right in that corner there on Thursday, and the guys in my group, man, there's so much suffering. PTSD from a fireman who's suffering because he's, he's had to take down so many people that have died and deal with them all. Men that are getting through addiction, that are in recovery, and that are fighting for sobriety. Uh, men with bipolar trying to deal with their, their mind issues. Men with depression, people suffering. But they bring that suffering and they pray and they confess and we comfort one another with the word of God and there's, there's a fresh sense of God's presence and healing. That's why God brings us into community. That's the spirit of God bringing us comfort in the midst of our suffering. God wants to be with you in your suffering. He wants to whisper to you. He wants to bring his people around you. Blessed are you when you're mourning, because you will be comforted by the comforter who's inside of all of us. And finally, his comfort comes because he can bring meaning. Meaning. You know, Frederick Nietzsche said, the philosopher, he was an atheist, he said, you know, if anybody understands the how, you know, excuse me, if anybody understands the why, they can deal with any how. If anybody understands a why, if anybody has a why, they can deal with any how. And we need a why in the midst of suffering. Why is this a part of life? What is the purpose, right? The scientific story can't give you that. But an eternal story, a transcendent God, the Christian story that says you were created for more than this, that you were created to be in relationship with God, to bear his image, to know him. And even though mankind pushed away from that, even though we walked away from from seeing him as our Lord, our creator, uh, the, the leader of our life, and we walked away from that, and we've all fallen short of that, and that's brought suffering, sin, and death to our creation, to our world, and man's hatred for man, we see it every day, the suffering, the disease. God came to be with us. He walked on this planet in order to restore a relationship with us. He faced death and suffering on the cross for you and I. And he proved that there's a bigger story because three days later, he rose from the dead. And the Bible says now we have a living hope inside of us because I love what Jackson Nicholson said, right? In the movie, as good as, just think of this as good as it gets, man. Just think of all there is, right? It's just medication and marijuana and drugs and pills. And then we just die and go into a grave and there's nothing. But just think of this is as good as it gets, Jesus says, no, this is not as good as it gets. There is so much more. There's such a bigger story for you to live for. And because of that, God is able to redeem suffering and bring things into your life that only he can bring as he comforts you. Look at what Peter says as he writes to a suffering church. 
persecuted for their faith in Christ. And he says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you. Don't be surprised that they're suffering in this world. We're, we're really, actually, we're violated by, surprise, by suffering. We're angry at suffering. We're entitled when we suffer. What does the Bible say? You're going to suffer. <laughs> it's a part of this life on side of eternity. So don't be surprised when suffering comes into your life, right? Because it's a part of this side of eternity. It's a part of a broken world. But God can redeem that because he uses that fire to test you. Not a pass and fail test. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about proving what's inside of you. What's inside of you? The Holy Spirit. And so God uses suffering to bring the Spirit out of you, right? What falls away the flesh? What falls away the old stuff? And what comes out is glory, love, joy, peace. The character of Christ is reflected back to him in the world. And God's glory is seen within you as you suffer to test you as though something strange were happening, but rejoice. He doesn't say be happy. He says have joy. Why? Because you have fellowship with God in your suffering. God understands your suffering, and we understand the sufferings of Christ. We get in touch with them as we suffer and we walk with him. You know, I understand who God is, not just from the mountaintop, not just from all the good stuff. I understand more about God in my suffering than anywhere else. I connect with him. I hear his voice, I, I, I realize his peace and mercy are there and real. God becomes real in the midst of suffering. I, there's fellowship in suffering with Christ. And that fellowship, just like you, let's say you go through something really tough in your marriage. Let's say you go through really something tough in your corporation and the team comes together. Maybe it's in sports. The team comes together and you have to go to war. And then when you get on the other side, guess what? You're best friends. Why? Because you went through that war together. And as we go through this war with Jesus and we suffer with him, what happens? Glory becomes so much better. It says that God is leading you to glory, to the bigger story, and as you participate in the sufferings, you will be overjoyed. There will be more joy when you look back and see, look at what God did. Look at what God did. Look at how he transformed me. Look at what he brought about as I look at my story. God was there. God is showing me. God is awesome. Look at when I see all of eternity, what he's done. Oh, God is so, that's where we're headed to glory. And so if you're insulted, if you're persecuted, if things are hard because of the name of Christ, and it's getting harder for Christians in our culture, guys. It's getting harder for us to stand for Jesus in our culture. We're being persecuted more and more. You see it more and more out there, right? And if that happens, you will be blessed, not because you're persecuted, because the spirit of glory is bringing about God's completing work in you. He's sanctifying you. And he's bringing you to that hope of a better place. One day he will return. One day he will right every wrong. One day, one day all the tears that you've shed, right, will be wiped away and something, the new creation, something more brighter and beautiful will overshadow that and overwhelm you with glory. That's the hope. We're going to be together one day in a place where there is no sickness, tears, or sorrow. There is no more suffering. But there's purpose for us now, as we suffer, God sends us to help others who suffer, right? Suffering, God does not waste suffering, but he sends us out as wounded healers, those that have suffered, those that have gone through pain and hardship. He sends us out now as, as we receive his comfort, right? Paul, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. As we are comforted with his comfort, now we can go share that comfort with others. I think that verse is up there next, wounded healers. It's in Corinthians. You guys got that? 
There we go. Praise be to God and Father. 2 Corinthians 1 through 5. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of comfort, who comforts us. As God comforts us in our sorrows, what's the purpose behind some of that? For us to go comfort others so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so our comfort abounds. Now God sends out us out as wounded healers to help the suffering of others because we've been there. I've been through that. I've, gone th- I've, I've lost a child. My wife and I have lost sons. We can go alongside a couple that's lost a child, and it's not theory to us. We, we've been there. We've wept and we've grieved. We've looked at the casket. We've gone through the pain, and so we can feel the pain of those who suffer because we've been there. And there's a comfort that comes from that. And all of you are a part of that army of comfort because we all suffer. (laughs) We all go through pain. And God sent us out as wounded healers. As we end our series, uh, our service here today, I want to invite Jay up here. Give him a hand. Jay's a member of our (laughs) member of our staff team. Jay's been a member of this church for a number of years, but the last year or so has been a a time of great suffering in Jay's life. Um, Jay's sister was on the helicopter with Kobe Bryant. She died tragically in that accident. And Jay has been through a lot of suffering, and he has mourned, and yet he's received the comfort that only God can bring. Share your story, Jay. Uh, thank you, Bucky. Um, yeah, so as you know, my uh, sister, uh, Christina Mauser, was on that uh, helicopter with Kobe on January 26th, along with seven other souls that lost their lives that day with the uh, Mamba girls basketball team. And um, that was by far the worst day of my life. Um, But the strangest thing is that something interesting happened that day is, uh, so I was on my way to Pomona to a car show with my dad and we got the news that Kobe Bryant's plane, uh, sorry, helicopter had crashed. And so I'm driving back and I'm on my way on the 405 and I'm begging with God, please don't, don't let this be true. I, I, I'm willing to give him anything at this point. And I'm just like, God, please, you know, never begged for anything in my entire life. And in some crazy way, I just thought, you know, there's no control I have over this situation. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can bargain God with in order to bring my sister back. And so I decided to surrender. And I, and I said, God, your will be done, not mine. And in that moment, something took over my head. It was like a, a paralysis, almost like I could hear this voice, and it was so clear in my head, and it said, everything's going to be okay. Now, I didn't know what God was speaking to me in that time. Um, but I think as, as the months go by and the thousands of tears that I've shed in that moment, I, I, I think I've come to discover exactly what Bucky's talking about today is that God is with us in our sufferings. And even beyond that, God meets us there in our suffering. It is where we go and meet God. That is certainly where... I met God, and that is also where my faith, I, I've been in the church, or I've been in the Christian sphere my whole entire life, went to Christian school, 
mom beat me over the head with a Bible, you know, if it, you know, I, I was there, but it is in that death where, it is in my sister Christina's death where Christianity became real for me. Easter became really real. Uh, Easter was probably the saddest holiday I've ever gone through. And that's because it became real then. It became real that if Christ doesn't resurrect from the dead, then I won't see my sister again. And also understanding what Good Friday means. It, you share in the sufferings of Christ. You share in the suffering of God to watch your loved one die. And there's nothing that you can do about it. And so you learn to get connected with God. And I've become closer to God. I've, you know, he's enfolded me. And I don't think that if it wasn't for my sister dying, I wouldn't be in seminary at Vanguard University today. And probably the biggest benefit of all is that um, my broken heart was probably the biggest, greatest thing that came out of this, is that I, my heart was broken. And because of that broken heartedness, I'm able to be with the broken heart, and I'm there to stand in that space. I'm there to have compassion for individuals like I've never been before. Before my sister died, I was a selfish man uh, with depression and all sorts of just not caring about other people, just totally being in it for myself. And so I'm just, uh, I don't know what to say. I mean, it sounds bittersweet, but I mean, it's just, in a way, there was a blessing. Mourning, there are blessings for those who mourn, and there certainly was blessings for me. And in some crazy way, I, I think I'm somewhat thankful for what happened. Thank you, Jay. Now, Jay, Jay is on staff now with us. He's an intern. And uh, out of this compassion heart, you know, God has given Jay a heart to want to help people that are suffering. And so he's starting a ministry, kind of helping our compassion ministry. And he's got a group that he's forming to ha try to help people that are going through struggles. Jay, what's, what's that about? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> among the... Crazy things that have happened in my life. I've also struggled with bipolar disorder for 20-odd years. And so I have a big heart for the mentally ill. And that's why we here at Watermark are going to be starting a mental health small group ministry called Grace Alliance. I uh, ask you to go check that out. Uh, yeah, it's just called Grace Alliance. So go check it out. It's a workbook small group. Anybody's invited, it's going to start on Monday, October 26th, right here in the floor. It's going to be 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Again, that's Monday, October 26th from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Um, you don't have to go through it continuously. You can jump in at any time. We're going to take about a two-week break around the holidays, but it's going to be 16 weeks starting on Monday, October 26th, 6.30 to 8 o'clock. Thanks, Jay. You're a courageous man to come up here and share that. I'm proud of you, dude. Thanks. Uh, as we can close our service and ask the band to come up and we worship the Lord, we just want to pray over you here this morning. I want to pray for Jay. I want to pray for those online in our midst here in your suffering. Maybe you're going through some great pain and you, you don't even know who to talk to. You don't know how to deal with it. We, we are, Jay and I are here for you. We're here to listen. We're here to pray. We're here to walk with you. This church is here to walk with you. 
And, and maybe there's things that God's telling you it's time for you to surrender. Maybe this suffering has brought something up that it's time for you to surrender that and just to go all in like Jay did and say, God, your will be done. Those are the places when I've done it in my life that has given God the freedom to really come in and do the redeeming work that has brought healing and hope in my life as well. And so I just want to encourage you here this morning as we pray, let's just bow our heads and open up our hearts, ask the Holy Spirit to walk with us, ask the one who is with us in our morning to bring healing and hope to our lives. Lord, thank you so much for Jay. Thank you for his story. Lord, I'm so thankful that one day he's going to see his sister again. One day they're going to embrace in your kingdom. And God, his heart now is this wound that you filled with your grace and your mercy. He pours out your compassion out of that wound to the hurting and the broken. I pray that this group and the people that need to be a part of this group will receive healing and hope as Jay comforts him them with the comfort that he's received from you. I pray for anybody in this room, anybody online that needs that comfort that is reaching out to you today, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would move in their life, that you would bring your presence to them, that you would guide them to community, you'd guide them to help, you'd bring your hope to them and you would restore them and heal them and walk them through this dark time as they mourn, comfort them, Jesus. And so we thank you that you are the one who came to be with us, you are the one who is for us, and there is meaning in suffering because out of that mourning, out of the ashes, you bring beauty and hope. We trust you in this. Walk with us in this storm, in this darkness. Be with our nation. Be with those who are suffering. Send us out as wounded healers to help the hurting and the broken and the poor. We pray this and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.